1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Just Getting Started. I am Susie Schuster, and today I have a great treat. I have Michael Irvin, the playmaker, the Hall of Famer, and I'm lucky to say a friend of mine for many decades. He and I met years ago at Fox Sportsnet when I was a reporter and he'd come over to get his career going. And I got to tell you, he was kind, considerate, nothing like the guy that I had thought I had known working in sports television. I I love this guy so much that I can tell you that he is my child's godfather. Yes, Taylor Mattingly, Eisen, my daughter. Her godfather is Michael Irvin. Can you imagine how good that's gonna be when she goes on dates later and says, you better be nice to me or else I'll, <laughs> I'll stick my godfather after you. Anyway, he is one of Rich's closest friends, obviously through NFL Network, but I am claiming the stake. I knew him first. As promised, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, joins us here on Just Getting Started. Michael, before we start this, take us on a little tour behind us. You've got some really pretty, pretty shiny hardware behind you. So what do you have behind you? Let's hear about it.
0: Well, yeah, quite a few things. And, and you know, now you got this house built 20 years ago. I know everybody's into that modern thing where you don't have much and every the walls are all clear and I'm Changes some of the house to that, but I haven't had time. I've been working the last twenty years since I built this house, <laughs> right? But 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 everything is for right, everything behind me. You got Super Bowl trophies. I got national championship trophies behind me. Wide uh, receivers of the year, the John Mackey Award trophies, and even an Emmy back here. You know, so so quite a few things. And then of course pictures and everything, and, and even in some corners, some of the awards that my sons have won. And Little League and things like that, when my kid catches Michael called more passes than any player in high school, in Texas high school history against IMG. So you get him a little plaque, a little war, things like that I have back here. But it's just a lot of stuff. And then nowadays, it makes your office look cluttered instead of accomplished since everybody's into this modern thing.
1: Well, I'm not sure that a Super Bowl trophy can ever make something look cluttered. Can you show us one? Just we What's your favorite one back there? Show, show well, us this, what your
0: favorite one is. Here. Yeah, the, the truth of it is, and this is the, more, the one that's beat up the most. You see this? Cuz I'm afraid to send them off and and get them polished and everything cuz I don't know if somebody's going to send them back, you know. But, mm-hmm. but this is Super Bowl 27. is Super Bowl 27. Here's 28. And here's 30. Now, asking me which one of these are my favorite is like asking which one of my kids are my favorite. You know what I'm saying? They're all different experiences. And I'm going to tell you something. This first one, no matter what, no matter what people say, the first one is the first one. And it's always very special because it's your first time and you had dreamed about it and wished for it for so long. Rather, it's winning a Super Bowl. Are really having that kid. It's your first one. And you can't duplicate the first one of anything ever. So that will always be special. But they were all great. They were all great and fun times right there. And I love that we all got these little replicas to carry and hold. And this right here, yeah, those are my babies right there. Even though I, I can't use them, Susie, when I go to heaven. When I go to God, I can't say, look at these. Can I get to heaven? So so I got to make sure I do some good works also.
1: And you have to enjoy them while you're here. Could you have imagined when you were a little kid playing football outside when the dark hit, could you have ever imagined that you would carry three Super Bowl trophies?
0: Oh, man. You know... We were talking the other day, somebody was talking about it the other day about when we were growing up in the neighborhood and having the chance to play football. And, and I remember even when they put, because we didn't, when I first started, when we first were growing up, we didn't have streetlights in, in our neighborhood. And I remember, because when Troy went over to Monday Night Football, I was thinking about that. I remember the first time, I was a young kid, and they said, Man, they will put streetlights in your neighborhood. We said, What? Streetlights? Oh, we're going to have Monday night football because you're going to play Monday night football in the street. So, you know, when you just said, we used to have to come in. When the lights go, when the sun go down, you know, you play. You remember that time? You used to be able to play outside all you want. And when the lights come down, you come in the house. That's what the moms. You never—they know, never really worried about nobody snatching us. I guess nobody really wanted us. We, uh, you know, I mean? my, mom, my mom said, "Oh, you snatch mine, you'll be bringing them back. You'll be begging me to take them back." You know what I'm saying? So, so, but we were able to do that. And I remember that light coming up, man. And we played Monday night football, and and, and it was just everything. It was everything, Susie. I really, I, I said, man, I want to do this forever. Be able to play football like this, and then play under the lights. It, it, it was the spark of a dream that really ended. Uh, uh, I mean, I said, came to fruition when we start when we played in those real games and won the Super Bowl.
1: So, what was it like for you growing up there? Uh, you were one of many kids, that's for sure. Your mother, yeah. God bless her, had a big family. And what was it like for you? At what point did you discover football?
0: Well, yeah, okay, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, my mom and my dad. My mom, you know, she's made clean houses. And my dad was a roofer, a roofer. We are, I'm the 15th of 17 kids. So they, we, had, we had 16 brothers and sisters. And I'm on the back end. I'm on the back end, you know, So, so coming up late. My mom said to me when she got pregnant with me, she was like, oh my God, I just can't afford another baby. She was crying in in, in church and she said, that's when God put her, put his arms around her and said, listen, Pearl, fret not. She used those, she said, fret not. He said, this child will be a special child. This child will make your latter days greater than your former days. Then we were in the process of what's called foot washing service, you know, because primitive Baptists. So we tried to mimic what we thought God Jesus did when he got down and washed, washed his disciples' feet. So we would get down and wash cheeks. So there's a special moment. And, and, and that's when she said she has that visit. Susie, I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I heard my mom say that in my younger years. You know, baby, it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. She's opening the refrigerator, there's nothing. Baby, it's gonna be okay. God has promised me. You will make my latter days greater than my former days. She said it so much to me. You know what I mean? That, that, that it engrafted. It engrafted. And, and so it becomes kind of like, you know, I'm trained, I'm training, I'm training. I want to train hard to walk out this destiny. But I train with the confidence saying, what well, God said I was going to do this, you know. So I think back on that all the time now. I say, did I do it because of the confidence? that, that, that the, she gave me or the brainwashing she did with me. What was it that got me to, to be as blessed and, and, and able to jo- um enjoy all of the trophies that I was able to win?
1: That's a lot of pressure on a little kid to be told by a mom, fret not, this will pay off for you, in other words, in your latter days. At what point did football become... A part of your lexicon. Who introduced you to football?
0: You know, and, and it's so interesting. So, you, you know, I remember. Now, okay, now I'm born in '66, right? 56 years old, just turned 56. Born in '66, we lose Martin Luther King like in '68. You know, so so you know, it was the rise uh, of of the civil rights. Well, I, re- I think about 70, 72, something like that. Six seven years old, they started um, integrating the schools and pushing. pushing they wanted us to travel outside of the neighborhood and, 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 and not just go to the neighborhood school, they were integrating, so we had, we had to be bused a little ways away. I remember walking into kindergarten and in, 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 in the school with all these white kids and all of these kids, and I remember the teacher saying to me, you know, I just saying, who knows what color this is? And and the kids would raise their hand, and who knows how to spell their name, and the kids would raise their hand. And I didn't know any of that. I said, like, man, I must be the dumbest kid in the world. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me because I just felt so behind. You know, I just felt so behind. Now, now, now in third grade, they got me a tutor. And he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tutor you, Michael. We'll spend some time. He spent some time at lunchtime, you know, tutoring me with math and everything, a math tutor. Um, he would help me out. And he brought a football one day and he said you want, once we get through this we get through this fast trying to encourage me to do the work fast we get through this then we go out and play catch and it was the first time you know somebody got a football and he was just starting to throw the football to me and i was catching everything and he said man if you can catch like this you can be special that's all i remember him saying that and and with me feeling the inferior feeling I had in the classroom, him giving me this superior feeling in, in the sport, I just gravitated towards it. Now, ultimately, Susan, I went on and graduated after my junior year of eligibility and went to the league. What I learned all along was, it wasn't that I was a dummy. It was, I didn't even have preschool. Those other kids had preschool. They had already been going to school. I thought kindergarten was the first time you come to school. I didn't know any of this, and I thought, "Oh my god, these kids are just getting here, and they're as smart." And I don't know anything, you know. So, 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 so I went back and I thought about it. And I said, "Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible." But that is what ultimately attached me to football. The inferior feeling I had walking in that classroom, and and and, and the the superior feeling I had. When that tutor started throwing me that football, I said, this is what I want to do. I like feeling a little more superior than inferior.
1: You know, Michael, it's amazing what happens to a kid when somebody believes in them. When somebody tells a kid that you're okay, that you're smart, that you can handle it. And the confidence that that tutor gave you to find another route, but also to believe that you were smart enough, may well have changed your whole future.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that. Now, now, the tutor gave me the confidence in, in in the in the world of sports. Ultimately, what really gave me the confidence to finish school was 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 my was my teacher, uh, Miss Jones. You know, Miss Jones was, uh, I was. I went to. I went to this public school called Piper, named Piper, and then I transferred to a private school. Uh, St. Thomas, because I was having so many troubles at the public school. You know, I was going with all the neighborhood kids, and just too much trouble. I wasn't focused. And I got kicked out of that school. And then I went to this private school. And once I transferred, this, the public school came back and said, well, we we, we want to let you back in. We want, we want you to come to the public school. And they wouldn't sign what they called a waiver. So they said, okay, Michael, they took me to court. They took me to court. The public school took me to court back then. I was a junior. So I just leave my sophomore year going into my junior season of high school. They took me to court and they said, no, we want them to come back. I, I went to court. I said, I made this decision to change because I needed to improve academically if I wanted to get a chance to go to, to, go to colleges. This is a college prep school. They were like, we don't think you are smart enough to make that decision. So ultimately, 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 the ruling came down. What well, the ruling came down, saying that I can go back to my public school, which I already told him I was getting in trouble here and it wasn't going well here. I can go back to school and play sports, or if it's all about academics and I really want to prepare myself, I can go to this private school and I could not play any sports. And 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 oh, it just crushed me. And 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 Miss Jones was the teacher that that grabbed me and she said, "Baby." And you know, I I had just been hearing all of this in the courtroom about how I'm, how honestly, how illiterate I was, and I couldn't make this decision. I don't have the, the the wherewithal to make that kind of a decision. And she said, "Baby, don't worry about that." She said, "We can use this year to catch you up and to focus like we need to focus." She said, "I promise you, I'm gonna spend all the time I need with you." You're plenty smart to do everything you want in life. I'll never forget her saying that to me. She said, you're plenty smart to do everything you want in life. We need this time. And she spent that year with me, her and her daughter, Jen, who's still one of my greatest friends right now. We just lost Miss Jones uh, a couple months ago. Mm, Just lost her a couple months ago. God bless her and rest in peace. Miss Jones, uh, Jen Jones, who's still my great friend, was like my tutor, kept me going, got me through all the classes. What I learned, Susie, when I went to this school was, every kid in this school had a plan. I was aimlessly walking around, getting up, going to school, doing that's what everybody told me to do, but I didn't have a plan. And and when I got over here and I put together my plan. I said, "This is what I want. I'm gonna play ball. I'm gonna study. I'm, grad, I'm gonna I'm a major in business because I need to know business. I'm gonna have minors in communication. And Ultimately, I want to go into just what I'm doing now." So Miss Jones gave me the confidence that I could do it uh, mentally, and 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 then helped me put together the plan that I'm actually living out right now. God bless her. She is truly one of the miracles on my journey.
1: I have two questions. First of all, why did the courtroom get involved? Why why did they take such interest in one child who wanted to transfer to a better school?
0: Uh, you know, the school Saint Thomas Saint Thomas Aquinas High School in Fort Lauderdale, it's one of the most prominent high schools in the country. You know, and 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 all the big time athletes transferred it from all over the country, from all over the country. You know. St. Thomas probably has more players in the NFL than any, in any other school in this country right now. And, and, and every time you go to this school, things happen. I, right now, I take care of a lot of my 16 brothers and sisters, and a lot of them aren't doing well. Some of them aren't doing well. So, so, so I take care of all of their kids if they're not doing well. The house that we grew up in, that I grew up in, I still own it. You know, I own it, and my my sister, the one that's right above me, Pat, she, I have her in that house, and, and, and all of my nieces and nephews that that my sisters can't take care of, instead of losing them, I take them in. I adopt them, and I put them in this house, and everyone that I send to St. Thomas, and I pay for them to go to school at St. Thomas, everyone that I send to St. Thomas goes to college, so 100%. It's a hundred percent. It was so so so. It, it, yeah yeah. It, so so what they were saying, what what the old school was saying was there was no way he made this decision. St. Thomas is known for getting all the great athletes, and they recruited him. I wasn't even, I wasn't really even doing anything on the football field. You know what I mean? I was playing defensive end and tight end. Maybe I had caught one touchdown, but and maybe three or four passes total. And 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 then when I made the move over to St. Thomas. And then St. Thomas, my junior year, I didn't play any sports because of the ruling. I couldn't play any sports. My senior year, they moved me to wide receiver. I had never played wide receiver. I played one year high school at wide receiver and then got a, got a, uh, a scholarship to the University of Miami.
1: When did it click in your brain that receiver was your place? How did it click when?
0: That that one year, I, I couldn't believe they moved me. Listen, I I started out playing offensive tackle and defensive end. I was offensive tackle, and defensive end, and and then so they moved me out to tight end. I said, man, you can catch, man. Let's pull you out to tight end, you know. So I went out went out to tight end, and and when I got things Thomas and they moved me to wide receiver, I said, what, what are you guys doing? When I when I first lined up at wide receiver, these little kids at quarterback was like, don't you? You 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 you're not you're not supposed to be out here like I was a big wide receiver, you know what I mean? Like when I got in the NFL, I was like one of the bigger wide receivers in the NFL. Now now, now these guys are coming in incredible, Susan. Like, you know, back in my when I played, they had a big receiver and a small fast receiver. Now the big receiver is the fast receiver. That's how the talent has evolved in the National Football League but I was a big receiver in high school I was a huge receiver and and, and they saw that they saw that they, they 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 were able because I was on a on a real team you know what i mean i got on a real team with some real coaches that could project what you're going to be had, had it not had i made the decision to go to St. Thomas there's no way i would be right here today cuz I, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten going I wouldn't have gone out to play wide receiver just it just it just wouldn't have happened
1: and how did your confidence boost while you became a better football player, both academically, as uh, just even as a kid alone, when things started to click, how did that change you as a person?
0: Well, let me tell you, Susie, that, 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 that one year, that junior year, being away from the game was was quite a year. It was a year that was, it was, it was a year of maturing. It really was. You know, I had been getting in a lot of issues at, at the public school, and then I transferred and, and now I can't play sports, right? I can't play sports. So, so yeah, I got to focus academically. But that same year, my dad got real ill. You know, he had a brain and a throat tumor and he was like, so I don't know what's going to happen here. He said, but but you know, I was right around at 16 and I just got my little restrictive license and he was like, this is a good time for me to spend some time with you. since I don't know what the future holds. So you're going to drive me to my appointments, my doctor appointments, everything, so we can get some time together. So I really got a chance to spend a lot of time with my dad that year, and he was trying to help me become a man. He was saying to me how proud he is that I made the decision to transfer for academic reasons and that I'm sticking it out. That he said, I'm so proud of you that you're sticking it out and this is a good, this good. Cause you know, we went through the, the courtroom process and, and it was, maybe uh four days before that first game where I, I had all this gone through this whole year with my dad taking him to the doctor oh my god I would take him to the doctor like one day he would wake up and his leg swole his right leg is swollen, and his left leg is so small and then the next day it would reverse his left leg would be swollen his right leg will be small and now I got to take him to the doctor or oh, he tried to get up one time and and, and stop an argument between my sisters, and he broke his hip because he was getting frail, and I had to rush him to the doctor. And I remember him going to the doctor and saying, oh, my God. He said, Doc, how much longer do I got to deal with this? And the doc said to him, "Is the pain is that great? He's like, it's not the pain, the physical pain, but the pain of my family seeing me this way, where, where, where I could not, he couldn't, he couldn't do what he needed to do for the family. And, and, and that, that turned something in me to see this man make that kind of sacrifice, you know. And in his moment of pain, he's not thinking about himself. He was thinking about the family. It just turned something in me. It was an incredible year for me. But four days before that, you know, I was visiting my dad in the hospital, and he was, we were talking, and he said, he said, son, I'm so glad I got to spend some time with you this year, you know, even though under these circumstances, I really feel he was a pastor. My father was a pastor. He said, "I feel I'm going home on the morning train," and he made me promise. He said, "You're gonna take, make me promise me, you're gonna take care of your mother." I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take care of my mom. I'm gonna take care of mom. Don't worry about that." But then the next morning, they called, and I'll never forget the words they used. They said, "They said Mr. Irvin has expired." You know, that's what that those were the words they used. They said he yeah, has expired. I said, "What, what do you mean he's expired? You know, then it passed," and and I I, I I don't remember now. All I remember is I left and I went running. They found me on the football field at St. Thomas. I, um, I was going to, I was, I thought I was going to like walk away from playing. I was going to get a job and try to help my mom because that's what I had just said to my dad. And my mom said to me, she said, baby, what are, what are we talking about here? What are you going to do? You're going to get a job. What are you, what help is that really going to do? She said, no, what you need to do is just focus, stay here and use this as energy and go do what you've been called to do and 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 since that day that that's that's what I've taken as my destiny you know I got to take care of my family I, I, I focused in on on the work you know I remember my dad when he was telling me growing up he started making me go to work with him, to do the cement. So what I did, it was the hardest stuff I've ever seen, the hardest stuff I ever did. I took the pants and the shirt, I hung it on the wall when I went to college. I said, listen, boy, you either make this work or you go back and do that work. And every day I walked in that room and I saw that that pant the pant on the shirt covered with cement. I said, no way am I spending the rest of my life on a roof doing this. It was just all little ways that I use to keep myself motivated and keep moving towards the prize.
1: See, that is exactly why we do this podcast, Michael, because that was your moment. That was your moment in time that you decided that you wanted more for yourself, that your father told you he expected more for you, that your mother pushed you to follow your dream. You could have, like you said, you could have put the gloves down. You could have put on the uniform. You could have gone and followed your father. In the excellent work that he did, but that was the moment that you were encouraged and that you heard something deep inside that told you to go in the direction of your dreams.
0: And and, and, and I so thank her for it. You know, I remember we were, you we were asked about the Super Bowls. I remember we were at Super Bowl 27. At the first one in California. It was her first time. Her first time going to California. And, and, and we talked about those moments, you know, about some of those moments. Uh, difficult difficult decisions, and, and and when we when I wanted to stop playing she said baby can you imagine if you would have stopped playing we would have aborted all of this that God had for us she said mm-hmm. oh, my god look at this i can't believe we're at the super bowl and you know i would, <laughs> I would take them and, and and her and my aunt fanny you know my aunt fanny is still alive today cuz she lived, she lived about four houses down for her from from my mom, that's her my mom's sister. They traveled and I took them everywhere with me together. They were my babies, you know, my girls. And and I would take them, Susie, right? And you know, you would get bonus money and stuff at the end of the year. And so I would have like a lot of cash out in out in LA or going to Hawaii afterwards. And I would tell them, so you guys want some cash to go shop? We see, yeah, so so I would just open up a drawer of cash and take as much as you want, right? And so they'll take some and they would take and then they would go shopping. And and, and then at the end of the week, right, at the end of the week, because we'd be there a week week in LA LA, and then go a week in Hawaii, right, for the Pro Bowl. We'll be there in LA, they have their room, they have a suite, and they just order. At the end of the week, we're getting ready to go home. And I said, Y'all, you guys okay? You guys spend all your money? You need some more money? See, we spend all that money. We spend every dime. I said, Y'all get some more, so they'll take some more, right? And then we would go check out. And I would see it. They charged everything, so 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 they kept all the cash. They charged everything, and it just got to be our little thing. You know what I mean? Like I knew they were going. I knew they were going to shenagle me with the money situation, but it was all part of the deal. You know what I mean? And we just had fun. I would always tell them, just do whatever you wanted to do. You can do anything you want to do. You can do anything you want to do. We just had such so many great moments. I miss her. I really miss her. I miss her all the time, especially, I tell you all the time, man, like when Mother's Day come around, and everybody's saying happy Mother's Day, for all of us that have lost our mother, that's a hard day. You know, it's, it, it really is a hard day. And you don't want to dampen everybody else's day, but it is a day you really think, yeah, I think about it every, every Mother's Day. Every Mother's Day, it, it's a difficult day for me.
1: What was that house like with your mother and sixteen of you? What was that like?
0: Right, it, it wasn't just it. It was our what all of ours, and then and then all of everybody's in the neighborhood. The house stayed crowded. You stayed packed, just like my house now. Actually, <laughs> you know, I got everybody comes in and lives, and and. And it's people here, and then people coming to stay over here. The people leaving and the people coming, you know. So so even when when her kids had kids, those kids would be there all the time. You know? So 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 it was it, it was it was crazy growing up. Especially like now, how I see like how I live now compared to how I lived then. We had three rooms that we were living in Florida. You only had the houses with the air conditioning kind of built in the window. You put it in the window, right? Or are you just had the fan? And since we had three rooms, mom and dad had one, girls had one, boys had one, we only had one fan. So you had to play, you you had to we call we had you had to call the fan first thing in the morning. We got the fan tonight. Whoever got up first, they called the fan. We got the fan tonight. This is how we lived. I can't believe it when I think about it now. So so since I was one of the younger boys, right? The girls would always call the fan. But the middle of the night, my brother, hey, go get the fan. So I got to go try to sneak and steal the fan. Oh my God. I took so many whooping suits from my sisters trying to steal that fan after. <laughs> we couldn't sleep. It was hot in there, right? They said, so, go get the fan. I would try to greet and come and steal. Sisters would wake up and, you know, of course, they'll beat me down. They would beat me down. And my mom would always try. Baby, don't beat that! Y'all leave my baby alone now. God already told me my baby's going to be special, which means I got bigger beat downs because she was saying that and stuff. Like, stop saying That's what that I was to wondering. them. Yep. Right. Stop yep. saying that to them. I'm going. How the other
1: one was like, "What about me, Mom? What about right?
0: me?" <laughs> and my mom was openly saying it. She was openly saying it. She openly. I would come home because we were we didn't have much, so they they would have to strategize. Like, listen. You get get a little bowl of cereal for breakfast in the morning. The rest of these cereal are for tomorrow. Nobody touches them. But okay, I go out, I'm playing around, I come home and I sneak and I eat them after school. Oh, right, that's a beat down. That's a beat, I gotta get beat down again by my sisters. I got beat down. It got to the point where I would say, you know, one day I'm gonna get bigger than all y'all. You. you know, I ain't gonna be taking these beatings. I'm gonna get bigger than everybody. I'm just letting y'all know. And 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 one day I did. I got bigger than everybody, so so the beating stopped.
1: I would hope so. Um, by the way, at, at this point, I'm, I can't even imagine because then then your kids come along, and they're bigger than you are, and you you don't even know what to do with yourself. How did you find yourself at Miami? What was the story behind that?
0: Oh man, going to Miami too. That's so interesting because Miami was trying to really turn around their program. And and and, and Howard Snellerberg was coming into the real inner city. He said, "Listen, I'm going to recruit heavily in Miami. Black people wouldn't even go to Coral Gables, Florida. Coral Gables, where the University of Miami was, a very affluent, white, rich area. It was like, don't even get called driving through there. Don't go there. Don't do anything until Howard Snellerberger says I'm going in there. I'm going in these areas and get all these guys." in this city right here and bringing them to Miami. Now, I was like, you know, mind you, I I didn't play any of my junior year. I'm worried about getting any opportunity to go to school. And and now and I'm at a a position that I never played at wide receiver. And the one year I got to play to try to get a scholarship, to try to get a scholarship, you know, and and I thought, wow. And at the same time, Miami is trying to grow a program. I went – uh, a couple summers before that, to Indiana University, a skills camp. They they brought a couple guys. Took me, Lorenzo White, I a I think Lorenzo White picked the uh, 17th 17 pick to Houston in the first round, the same draft. Who's my best friend? Played running back. Went to Michigan State. Um, we went all. We went to this camp in Indiana skills camp. Coach Sam Weiss was the coach at the time. Bobby Knight was a uh, basketball coach, and I went there. And, listen, I did the skills camp. And I tore him up. That's the first time I had ever left Fort Lauderdale. We drove all the way there. I tore him up. I wanted to go to Indiana. I was. I got to play basketball against Uwe Blah. He was the center then. James Thomas was at Uwe Blah. I don't know. I said, man, I'm coming to Indiana. That was it. It was decided. I'm coming to Indiana. We drove back to pay for that trip. They had us scraping the wallpaper off all the hotels in Fort Lauderdale Beach. Dude, this was the hard, I mean, you scrape for five hours and you only get about this much of a wallpaper piece. I said, listen, man, and if all the people would be down on the pool and we would be every day just scraping it, I said, man, I ain't going to be doing this all my life, man. I'm going to be down there with the rich white people, man. I'm telling y'all right now, I'm not going to be doing this all my life, you know. So, 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 so I, I wanted to go to Indiana, but then Stan Weiss left and went to Cincinnati. He went to Cincinnati, so I was like, oh my God. And then Michigan State brought in me and Lorenzo White for a visit. They really want Lorenzo White went there and broke every running back record at Michigan State <laughs> with Nick Saban as his running back coach. Right?
1: Wow. Lorenzo
0: White, uh, he he went, well, let's say it everywhere, Nick Saban. My, my cousin said it. It's Nick Saban. Lorenzo White went, he broke every record. They wanted me to come with him. I went took a visit with them. But when it was cold, it's his the first time I'd really been in snow. And we went to the bookstore. And we went in the bookstore, and I saw them offering stuff to Lorenzo, you know, kind of sneaking it under the table. And I had on some penny loafers with no socks on because I came from Florida. I didn't even know. And I was like, can I get some sure. socks? They were like, ah, oh, that's against the rule. I was like, hmm, I just saw you sneak something to Lorenzo. And I remember when we left that visit, I said to Lowe, I said Lowe, I know we had a dream of playing together, buddy. I said Michigan State's the place for you, but it's not the place for me. Them jokers couldn't even give me no socks. Oh, forget <laughs> it. So forget it. So so yeah. And my coach, my coach. Every time I would say the schools I wanted to visit, I visited. You know, the, the Indiana, the Michigan State, the LSU, another school I visited. Syracuse was another school. Every time I would mention the school, he would say in Miami. I said, I'm going to visit LSU. He said, in Miami. And I said, then I'm going to go to Syracuse. He says, in Miami. My- I said, why do you keep saying Miami? He said, Michael, you just lost your dad. I just want you to consider staying close to your mom, because I know how close you are to your mom, and, and, and be able to get back here if something, if you need be, because I know the responsibility she is, and, and 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 how you want to take care of her. And, and, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll visit Miami. And I visited Miami, and and then Howard Snellenberger came and landed a helicopter right on the high school football field. And everybody went crazy. And, and ultimately I, I chose Miami and it was, it was the best choice. It was the greatest choice. So, I'm, so coach pushed me in that direction. And I'm so happy he did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: All I can think about is if only Michigan State had given you socks, (laughs) their program would have been so different.
0: Isn't that crazy? I swear to you, i thought about that. And just because I peeked that, and then I took that, and said, "Oh no, no, this is, you couldn't give me a pair of socks." That—that's really how that went down.
1: Just give the man some socks. What was it like the transition for you from living with all of these people in a three-bedroom house to living in this affluent neighborhood like Coral Gables? What was that like?
0: You know it's so funny though. That's so funny you say that because when I swear to you, when you just said it, you know it made me think about because I visited Syracuse early in my trip, and, and 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 Syracuse had their players in little apartments. Apartments. That was it. I was ready to go to Syracuse. I was like, oh, we don't have a park. How many people in the apartment? Oh, just two people in this bedroom and two people in that bedroom. So two people in this apartment. So that was it. That was it. that was heaven to me. That was heaven coming from sleeping where I was sleeping with all of these jokers trying to steal a fan all night. You know what I'm saying? It was heaven just on that apartment. I thought about that, like, like I was that easy. You could you could buy me with an apartment, just just any kind of thing because of the situation that, that I was sleeping in. But when I went to Miami, they had apartments too. So that, that, that eased the pain for me, but but it was but when I moved to core Gables, now we got to core Gables. You got it, yeah. This was this was Oklahoma's, and Nebraskas. All of these big schools had been running. The Notre Dame's had been running the college scene for so for forever, for so long, and now we come into core Gables, and little old Miami is popped on the scene with all of us guys influxing towards core Gables. I, I'm going to tell you something, man. And all that we've heard all those years about not, not going to court games, man, we, for them people, they they loved us over there. They were they loved my – they loved they loved the football team. They loved the football team, man, what we brought what we brought the core gave us. And I thought about, it, like, man, I would never have come up here because of all I've heard. And now to be here and be received the way we were received. I mean, we love playing there. We have so much fun. And then walk around that community and to have that little school up with the Oklahomans and the Nebraskas, the Notre Dame's, because of what we were doing on the football field. It was an incredible time. An incredible time.
1: Did you experience any racism?
0: Not, no, I, I wouldn't say there, not in Miami. <laughs> that was what we were doing. Now, you gotta remember too, now, Miami's a melting pot too, and it was just really starting to become that, where Where every all ethnicities and everything kind of uh immersing into Miami into that scene, you know, um, in the eighties, in the nineties, it was it was it was crazy. So so that's what that's what blew my mind. I mean, when I look back and I think about how I grew up, where I grew up, and the things that I've heard. You know, the white people this there are white people that white people there's white people that white people. And then when I transferred over to St. Thomas, had I, you know, and got a chance to meet people like Coach George Smith and and, and people like Miss Jones and 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 the, and, and the effect they had on my life. Or people like Mr. Cashman, uh my quarterback's dad, Chris Cashman's dad, who who, who we passed a couple of years ago and I and I was flying, I was flying out to work in LA. And I heard he had he had taken ill and he had gotten sick real bad. And I, so I hopped back on a plane and went to L, went went to uh, went to Fort Lauderdale. And he was in hospice, and I got a chance to go visit him, Susie. And and they said to me, he said he he may not make it through the night. So whatever you have to say, say it to him now. And and, and I could, I, I just I went in and I sat with him for hours. I just sat there. We yeah. didn't say a thing for a while, quite a while. He he, you know, he looked over. He said. Then he said, he broke the silence. He said, I know how busy you are, thanks for coming. And I said, Mr. Cashman, are you serious? I said, man, I didn't know what to say to him. I said, you know, man, Mr. Cashman, I said, I I just want you to know, man, no matter what, you've done so well, you've done well. You know, he had married for 40 years. His daughter was one of the top women golfers in the world, one of the top women golfers in the world. His son, who was my quarterback in high school, who was my quarterback in high school, uh, sold this company made hundreds of millions of dollars. And I said, man, you've done well. And I said, I want you to know, Mr. Cashman, no matter what I do, no matter where I go, I'll never forget the love you showed a little black kid when you brought him into your house and, 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 and you showed me that people are just people. I said, man, you're going to live on in me for the rest of my life. And if I do anything right, I'm going to pass your spirit on to other people. You've done well. And he passed right after that. I, 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 but 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 I think about it because I don't, you know, I, 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 my whole life was that little neighborhood that I was growing up in. And all my lessons and all my knowledge, it wasn't the internet where you could see so many things. All your lessons, knowledge comes from that little group of people that you're growing up with right there in that neighborhood. Had I not had the opportunity to expand out of that neighborhood and learn more about people and learn people, learn that there are people out there that are willing, trying to help. Not just what I was saying. All white people are trying to get you. All white people are trying. You know what I mean? If I had gotten stuck in that, it would have been a whole different world. So I thank God for all the people that, I, that, that reached out, that helped me, that I met outside outside of that neighborhood to help me get an idea of what the rest of the world would be like. Cause we didn't have like the internet, like kids have today. All you had, all you had were the people that are putting information and imparting to you in those little areas you were growing up in.
1: Jimmy Johnson was one of those people in your life. What was oh, it like meeting him for the first time?
0: Man, Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy came in, Jimmy came in, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy, I tell Jimmy, I tell Coach all the time, I said, you know, you followed me everywhere, man. I said, you know, I came, I got to Miami first, and then you came. Then I got to Dallas, and then you came. I mean, you know what I mean. me. I said, you owe your whole career to me, you know. <laughs> He's like, come on, Michael. You know, I was doing pretty good before I got here. But, 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 but I joke with him about that, and the reality is I owe my whole career to him, you know, because my first day, my first day there, Susie, I get in a fight. At, at, at my University of Miami, I get a fight with this offensive lineman because I'm telling these guys, listen, I'm on a mission. I didn't come here to do all this freshman stuff, man. I got a family that's that, that, that that's broke and starving back and forth. I didn't come here to play with you guys. Let's so be real. So so I didn't want to go through all of those little freshman hazing things. And, and I didn't want to put up with it. And so I broke off into a fight the first day of they're on the training table wow. over food, over food. I went to Jimmy's office and I was like, God, darn boy, you just got out of the hell ghetto. And now you're about to get sent back. You know, cause I thought he was sending me home. I just got in a fight with a starting offensive lineman. But, but when I talked to coach, he had already talked to coach Smith, my high school coach. And he said, he said, coach told me now, that you know you just lost your father and you've you've gone through stuff this last year. He says, "Son, I want you to know I'm gonna be here for you. I'm gonna be here with you, but we can't be fighting each other. We cannot be fighting each other." He says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna send you back." He said, "I'm gonna take uh, my my officer Lyman, who was it was a senior at the time." He said, "I'm going to suspend him. He should know better, and I'm expecting him to be a leader," which blew my mind. You know, which blew my mind. He said, I understand you've been going through stuff, and I'm going to sit here with you. I'm going to fight with you, but I can't have you fighting people. You know, I can't have you fighting people. But lo and behold, a couple weeks later, I'm fighting somebody else on the team. You know, I I get another fight. So I just thought, I just knew he was going to send me home. Last year, I remember Jimmy, we were here, and he was getting his Super Bowl, his his Hall of Fame ring, at at one of the football games here at, at, at the stadium. And I sat in back of him, Troy with me and Emmett, And I just kept bawling, Susie. I just kept bawling and crying, you know, because I've never seen him that happy. He was so happy. That was his first time back in an arena, back in a stadium, since all of the fallout. And he was receiving his ring. And I was just so happy. But I thought about all that we just talked about. All of those moments that had they gone any differently, all of this would not have happened. You know, and and, and Jimmy, had he sent me home like he probably should have when I've gotten into those fights early on, all of this would not have happened. But as you said earlier, he believed in me and stuck by me, and, and, and I thank God. And, and I tell him that every time I get a chance to see him.
1: And then you go on to become probably one of the most prolific players ever in the history of the University of Miami, And suddenly you're a cowboy and suddenly you're a cowboy. What was it like for you the day that you realized that you could provide for your mom in the way that she always dreamed of in the way that she always told you that you had been ordained to do so?
0: You know, what's so interesting about that is... is it, it, it's I, I remember my uh, my dad and my sister Janet always said, "Boy, you gonna play for the Cowboys? We're big Cowboys fans. It's the only team that we used to watch." And my dad wore a fedora hat. He wore a fedora hat just like Tom Landry wore a hat on the sideline. And, you know, we would sit there and watch the game. And we he used to always promise me one day, son, one day I'm gonna make enough money. We are gonna go to one of those games for real. He used to say that all the time. One day, son. One day I'm gonna make enough money, we're gonna, gonna take you to one of these games. He never made enough money. We never went. We, we, we never got a chance to go to a game. You know. Uh but I think about that all the time. Like I actually go to games. I work at games, you know, right now, and we couldn't afford to go to games then. But he was always a Cowboy fan. And 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 my sister said, God showed me, God said you're gonna play for the Cowboys. So when I got drafted to the Cowboys, that was I was it was, it was it was insane in our house. It went crazy. Now, remember, I told you, I graduated after my junior year. So I was trying to control that doing work in my house here. So I'm sorry about that. I was trying to control my draft. I was trying to control my draft. But what I mean by that, if you graduated back then, you had to graduate to leave early. And if you graduated as a junior, so 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 if anybody drafted me that I didn't want to play for, I could drop a class, go back to summer school, they would lose the draft choice, and then I could apply for a supplemental draft and be redrafted. So I had already made up my mind. I was gonna play in LA, New York, or the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. So Green Bay called, and hey, Green Bay was with the seventh pick. I was like, ah, I, don't I don't think so. Not and everybody called. in the house Not was like. Right, everybody. It was too cold. Everybody in the house was like, "No way, Green Bay." I was like, "Are oh, you? We the brokest people in the world? What are we talking about? No way!" This way. but, 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 but they went on to draft Sterling, who was a great wide receiver, and he would have been in the Hall of Fame had, had he not gotten hurt with his neck and everything. And in Dallas, Dallas didn't even call. Dallas just drafted me with the 11th pick. But, but I knew they would because Jimmy had already met with me earlier, and he said, "Michael, listen." He said, uh, he said, I got an Oyo buddy who was about to buy the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Cowboys are going to draft you. He said, none of those shenanigans. That's where you go if they draft you, because I'll probably be joining you in about a year. I said, "Oh, oh okay, coach. You know, okay, all right. And, and, and when the draft came, they drafted me, and then I came to Dallas, and he came in next year.
1: And what was that like, that moment that you realized that you had realized your mother's dreams?
0: Well, it, it, getting drafted was, was, was one thing. And I, I you know, for me, for me, that was, oh, I did it. I did it. Me saying, OK, I realized my mom's dreams when I got back, after I got drafted. And I was able to say, baby, I'm coming to pick you up. And we're going to look for houses. Pick any house you want. I'm going to get it for you. And, you know, and I came and picked her up, and I remember back then it was the Volvos were the number one cars, right? It was the best, best cars you can get, especially coming brothers. You know, we had graduated from Cadillac. now we we're on the Volvo. They were the big. And I got my mom this brand new Volvo, put number one mom on it, and came and picked her up, and took us house house shopping, and 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 that that was the moment for me, because we had been up in that little little hot house. With those little air conditions in the window and and, and my mom never knew about central air and all of that stuff and to go pick out a a house and walk through those houses with her and 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 she was like turning on air conditions on the wall units that goes throughout the house and uh, and things like that was like wow or when i sent her her first credit card she had never had a credit card And I got a phone call back, and she's like, baby, I don't want to mess anything up. I mean, God has been so good to us. And I went to get this grocery, and then people gave it to me for free. I said, what do you mean, baby? Just tell me what happened. He said, well, I just put all that grocery up there, and the lady asked me about that card. I handed her a card. She gave it back to me, and I just walked out with all it. I said, baby, don't worry about it. It's called a credit card. I'm I'm, going to pay for that at the end of this month. So we didn't get it for free, you know. So, so 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 those are the moments that you said this is what she meant by making her latter days greater than her former days. That's when I realized it's really happening.
1: Marshall always talks about, and I love listening to him talk about, being a running back and how the field gets quiet. And it's almost like in The Matrix where all of a sudden like he sees the field a certain way. What's it like for those of us who will never be hall of fame receivers, explain to us what it's like being in the moment in a game and you're a Dallas cowboy and Emmett's lined up and you're lined up Troy's there, Charles Haley, and you name it. Like and that's your team. What's it like for you in that moment where Troy calls a play and you go out and you're the playmaker?
0: What when you talking about? in. and, in- and, and, and Marshall Mar- 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 stayed in a zone the way he played, you know what I mean? But 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 being in that space, in that zone, when you're playing at such a high level or high confidence, it, it is an incredible place, an incredible place to be. I, uh, my wife used to say to me, she said, baby, she said, how do you, like, how do you, how do you, you focus on that ball with all the people around you? You know, you're going to catch a ball and all the people around you, so how do you focus on that ball? She said, oh, my God. Like, I'm like, like, you're about to get killed out here. Like, you know, and you just catch the ball and it's like, I, see, you, you, I, I don't even see all of that. I don't even see all of it. I have an idea in my mind where everybody's supposed to be because I know the coverage it is. And I know how you're supposed to play that coverage. The people that that I had most trouble with on the football field is the people that don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Because I'm expecting you to be where you're supposed to be. If it's cover three, I know where you're supposed to be. If it's cover one, I know where you're supposed to be. You know what I mean? So I'm playing that in my head as I'm moving around. But 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 I tell I say, baby, when I'm in that zone, I don't even see all of that. I don't see it. It, it, The ball's coming my way. I don't even see all the hands or the space or the people that's trying to take me out. All I see is the football. I'll see bringing the football in. And then trying to see the end game, and it's, it really is a crazy thing. Like when you when I when I would take a hit, like ooh. like I, I didn't see that hit. Like somebody somebody was where they're not supposed to be. That's how they just hit me. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's that kind of thing. You get you get a, such a level of confidence. Like like playing with Troy, I, and it's has happened in a game. It really has happened in a game where where I, and I truly believe, like I could run ten routes. With my eyes closed, and we can complete at least eight of them. You know what I'm saying? At least eight of them. And it has happened in the game. Susie, soon as I swear, I could not see that ball. I was running a little bang eight, a little skinny route. And I looked back, and it was right in the sun. I said, oh, my God. I could not see the ball. And I said, let me just put my hands out. And, I'm, and that ball hit right there. It grabbed in some kind of way. And I, I caught that football. And I was like, I cannot believe it. I just caught that football. But I could not see it.
1: What was it like being part of that '90s Cowboys team?
0: It was. It, it, let me tell you why it was so great. It, it was so great because we didn't come here, and it was great. It was great because we made it great. You know, my first year we were three and thirteen. Then we went one and fifteen before you know my, I came in three and thirteen. Troy came in one and fifteen, and Emmett came in. We went seven and nine, and then we took off and went on. From there, and I was like, "Wow, you know." So, 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 even, and I remember all of those team meetings we used to meet. We ain't gonna have this next week. We got to do something about this next week. And next week, after a team meeting and players only meeting, we still go get our butts kicked. You know what I mean? We remembered all of that. So when we started doing well, since it was we were the same group, no one. I can tell you this day, and this is what's amazing, and, and so satisfying to me. I just got off the phone with Emmett before I before I talked to you, before I called you. I was on the phone with Emmett before, before we got on the phone. Last thing he said when he got off the phone, we always said to each other, me and him, Troy, is I love you, man. So I love you back, man. We've never, Susie, understand, we've never had an argument. We've never had a falling out. We've never had a situation or issue ever, ever. As all that we've accomplished together, we've never had an issue. And I think it's all because we were here when it wasn't great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so we, all, we all remember what we went through. So when we got great, we always kept remembering we all went through this together. Nobody ever got out of line. It's, I think it's one of the most incredible things about accomplishing what we've accomplished. We've, we're all still the greatest of friends. And we've never had a falling out in any kind of way. And anybody with those teams, that's what made it great. People don't understand and they underestimate just how close of a team we we still are right now to this day. And that's why we were able to accomplish so much.
1: And that's why sometimes these dream teams don't work out. Right. Because you're not building something together. There's You cannot replace chemistry and you cannot replace being there when it's bad.
0: Right, right. And honestly, and, and the Bible says that, you know, you suffer with me, then, then you should reign with me, you know, because if you suffer together, you can handle reigning together because you know what the suffering's been like. And, and, and that's what that that's what we did. We suffered together early. So so when we when we had a chance where well, we were the team of the nineties and we were the cream of the crop, we always resorted back to those Like we remember, let's just stay focused and stay connected so we don't ever go back to that.
1: It's funny. Winning time uh, is the big show out right now about the Lakers in the 80s. Yeah, I like that. What would that script? What would that scripted show look like if it were the Cowboys in the 90s?
0: Yeah, that's interesting, too. But As you said, I'm sure some people have wanted to do it or tried to do it. And, and you know, you got to go through some herps ho- hoops and hurdles to get the NFL to let you do anything. But I'm sure somebody would love to do it. But it would be an interesting watch, uh, you know. This this Showtime uh, is, is interesting too. And you know what makes me so what makes me think about this too? Because so funny, I remember when Jerry and I, one of my contract situations, Jerry, when my contracts were up, Jerry and I were negotiating. Because and I love Jerry, and Jerry made sure. Jerry said to me, he said, "Man, you're coming from Michael. Where you're coming from? I want I want to make sure that we we don't have a bad ending." I want to make sure that you you're in every negotiations that you understand what's going on, that you understand what you're doing, so we are not out here later on like like other guys you know not not doing well. so he made me sit in on every negotiation and this this one had gotten a little hard and rough uh, and, and and we were, we were talking about we were, we were talking about I was like, Jerry you know maybe' maybe it's, chance, maybe it's time to do something different. Maybe it's time to do something different if we can't come together here. Maybe it's time to do something different. And Jerry was like, you know, Michael, I, 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 we, we should look into this. You know, so so it was real close to me. They want to trade me for Carl Pickens. They was sending me to Cincinnati. Wow. He was thinking about sending me to Cincinnati. He said, well, what do you think about – what do you think – I said, Jerry, listen, I think I got no issue with that. I said, well, I've gone. we going to win championships. I, I, I'm pretty sure I can turn Cincinnati – into that, too. I said, I, I would love the challenge. I, I'm up for that challenge. And then, and then he looked at me and he said, ah, Michael, <laughs> let me tell you this. And I, I bring this up because you talk about the Lakers time. He said this. He said, you know, when I see you, Michael, you know what I think about? I think about Magic Johnson. He said, what mm. would Magic Johnson be without the Lakers? What would the Lakers be without Magic Johnson? He said, those two they go together. He said, what I'm trying to tell you right now, he said, Michael, if a bomb hit Valorant today and blew everything up, when the smoke clears, me and you, we're going to still be here. We're going to always be right here because we are Dallas Cowboys. I, I said, so what does that mean? He said, "Hey, a trade is out the question. Then I said, what about the deal? He said, Michael, this is what the deal go pay. This is what it's going to pay. Said, you can't you can't get this kind of money nowhere else. You can't play nowhere else because we ain't let you play nowhere else. So you know, ultimately, we worked it out. I was arguing with him to be the highest paid at the time. At the time I wanted to be the highest paid because yeah, I had a few uh, discussions with him. One time I wanted to be the highest paid when I won receiver of the year. But we hadn't won a Super Bowl then, and Jerry Rice was the highest paid. I said, "I want to beat him by a lot." He said, "I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put you right above Jerry Rice and take home money and take home money because Jerry Rice has taken home some Super Bowls. You have never taken home. We haven't, we haven't won a Super Bowl. Mm. So, so I said, "Oh, okay, boss. I said, okay, but I, gotta, I said, I said, let's do that. Let's do that. Just put me right above, right there, take home. And so I, I win and take home money. But, but, but then." A few years later, we had won a few Super Bowls. We were back at the table. And and he, and Tim Brown was the highest paid then. And he said, I tell you, Michael. you said, yep, you you the you, you best. You played the best. I'm going to bring you the highest paid. He so said, I'm going to put you right above Tim Brown. I said, no, 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 boss. You're not putting me right above Tim Brown. Because Tim Brown don't have no Super Bowls. You're going to put me way above Tim Brown. Same thing he used on Jerry Rice to get me. I put it back on him. And we laughed and laughed. But ultimately... We got the deal done, you know, and, and and I just I think about all of those times. I think about those times with Jerry and what like like and when I see the movie now and I see Bust and Magic together at the little party and stuff. I think about those things and, and Jerry saying those things to me and the little moments that I've had with Jerry. I, I really like that little that little documentary or, or that little show they're doing on on on, on the Lakers.
1: So, who would play Michael Irvin?
0: Oof. I don't know who you are playing Michael Irvin. I mean, I would say Will, but I don't know if it's good to say Will right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: No, oh, my, you right might, might, might. But I think you're going to have to go younger. Maybe like Michael B. Jordan. I could see yeah, that. Yeah,
0: right? that's a good one. Oh, you're talking about right now. Right now. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one.
1: If we're if we're casting the the nineties cowboys I, I was just watching him showtime.
0: In Creed. I was just watching him in Creed mm-hmm. too. What a great actor he is. Huh? You know what I mean? That was a that was a that was a great movie. I was just watching that the other night too. So yeah, that, that, that would be a good one. That would be a good one.
1: I'll tell you, that would it would be a heck of a show because as you, you know, look, I remember sitting in Bristol as a kid. I remember your full length black mink coat. Yeah. I remember thinking, I've never seen a man sport a black mink coat quite like that, you know?
0: I still... You that still coat, have that coat? that coat? I still have that coat. I can't get it. It's so funny. Um, this was years later. I was in the broadcasting now, and, and they had a game in New England. Cowboys playing New England. And I did. A, I was at ESPN, right? So I did work, and then I said, I'm going to drive up to Massachusetts. You, know, you ride the Mass right there and go to the game. So I, And it was... I don't know, it was ten degrees, whatever. So I put on the mm. meat and I'm on the sideline. I'm on the sideline of the game. My wife in New
1: England. It. Oh God. in right, uh-huh. New
0: England. My wife sees it. She's called and I answer the phone, so I say, hello? She said, What are you doing? I said, What do you mean? I said, I'm like right the game. I, said, I see this. What are you doing with that coat on? I said, What do you mean, baby? It's ten degrees. <laughs> it's my meat. I'm wearing my meat. She said, You should be having that meat. You, I, you shouldn't wear it on TV. Not after you wore it to court. I told you never to wear it on TV. She told me never to wear it on TV again after I wore it to court. You can't even put it. Well, I was
1: like, <laughs> see, I was like, because no not, one, but, Michael, right, No one's gonna ever forget that image, right?
0: And that's what she says. That everybody went back to that image. Get that, get off TV in this, in this coat. I was like, I'm not taking off my coat. I'm not, I don't care about that. You know, it's. So so I can only bring that code out if there are no cameras around now. She won't allow it.
1: I hear you. You can wear it to my house. All right, really quick, Sam. I've had you on for forever. How'd you get the name Playmaker?
0: You know, we were at, in, in school, in college, University of Miami. We had just lost Eddie Brown, who went to Cincinnati in the first round, became one of the best receivers in the NFL. And Stanley Shakespeare, he played in Miami, played with the Dolphins, played after he left the University of Miami. We had just lost him. And, and 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 coach was saying we lost some great players but i need i need some guys out here i need some guys to make some plays i need some real playmakers out here on this practice field so we can find out who's going to replace these guys and so over the next few days we go to practice i'm making plays i'm making plays and Winston Moss Winston Moss said to me Winston Moss said to me uh, he said when I was making a play, I called a pass from running down the sideline. Winston said, Oh my God, there is the playmaker right there. Uh, Susie, are you there? I just lost.
1: I'm here. I hear you.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I here. got you. Okay, good. He uh, Winston Moss. Winston Moss, who was coached over at Green Bay, he was coach Green Bay Packers. He, he, he said, Oh my God, there is the playmaker right there. He made once he said that, it just stopped. It's just stuck. And people started, oh, there's a playmaker. It started that season, that practice, trying to win the starting wide receiver job at the University of Miami. Winston Moss said it in practice, and and it just stuck ever since.
1: Yeah, the playmaker nickname is one of those uh, special nicknames that you don't forget. But I love the fact that you brought it with you to the Cowboys and that it stuck the whole time.
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, it's so funny, too, because we, we would put... We wanted to be called a bomb squad coming in, in in college. We had these towers with the bomb squad on it, but but none 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 of it stuck. The playmaker stuck, you know, because they started putting in the paper. And, and called back back in. They used to call me touchdown in the streets. Touchdown, touchdown, like in Miami, all the dudes in Miami, whatever they were doing. I'm not gonna say I don't know what they were doing. You know, they was touchdown. You know how much? You know how much money I won on you today? I bet you won't score a touchdown. You scored they called me touchdown in the streets. But on the field they were calling me playmaker, and then they start writing it in the paper. And and that was it. That was it once they started writing the paper, it just kind of called.
1: As we wrap this up today and I'm just getting started, I'm curious about what's the biggest misconception people have about you.
0: You know what I think it is that I'm some big tough guy. And I'm really the 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 I'm 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 a big kid. I'm just a kid. You know what I mean? Uh, I, you know now now I'm probably a different dude on that football field. You see what I mean? I'm a whole different dude on the football field, but I'm not a, I'm not a, a big tough guy. I'm actually a, a, a soft guy. You know, and I, and I think that's probably the big step. so there's things that I I wouldn't do like like since I wore the Scully right in the movie The Longest Yard. This is me. On TV, you'll never see me wear a hat. Like even when we're in five-degree weather and everybody's covering their head, I'm not putting their head on. I'm not because I don't want to scare people by bringing back that hard look, you know, that tough look.
1: Michael, how are the boys going to be this year?
0: I, I'm a little worried right now as we speak here today, Susie. I think a big, a big part of it is going to come down to what happens in this draft because they've let so much talent. Get away, you know. Sending Amari Cooper to Cleveland, uh, I, I, I didn't, I did not like that deal at all. I, I know they thought Amari Cooper was making top dollar at twenty, twenty-one million dollars a year, but the reality is that number has already changed. Thirty million dollar is the top receiver now, so a twenty million dollars for Amari Cooper is almost a steal right now. So I, I hate the way that played out. You don't get rid of the kind of talent the Dallas Cowboys have gotten rid of and come back and say, okay, we're better right now. They are not better right now than they ended of the football season. They just have to make sure that they get somebody like they got last year, a Michael Parsons or somebody in mm-hmm, this
1: draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sitting here for an hour and talking about where you came from, how you were brought up, and what gave you the confidence to keep going. I feel like people really need to hear these origin stories right now What is the greatest piece of advice that you have for people out there looking to pave their own path?
0: I I, I go biblical on this. And and, and and the Bible always tells us, always have hope. And and, and that's what I want to tell people, always have hope. Hope says that there's something in front of you better than what we're going through or what we've dealt in back of us and keep moving forward. When you lose hope, we're in a dangerous area always have hope get up and keep moving forward and you'll be okay in the end.
1: love you michael
0: hey love you too Susie. love you to
1: death hope he said it best michael urban said that it takes hope especially in dark times and that's exactly what he experienced growing up can you imagine growing up in a household with 16, 17 kids in and his mother had to provide. I love how he talks about sometimes he'd look into the refrigerator, there was nothing there. And his father, a roofer, a very humble man, a pastor, who would take the time to watch football with him, who didn't live long enough to see Michael become the Hall of Famer that he did. I love that Michael can share so much with us, and I hope that it gives you some strength and some impetus to put your life in order and to get out there and make some changes and and try things out. That's exactly why we do this podcast. I have a great April ahead, a lot of really badass women. I'm kind of excited to bring that to you. I'm not kind of, I'm very excited to bring that to you. I've got a great lineup coming up ahead. And if you have ideas for somebody that you want to hear talk about how they got started, please reach out to us you know, Cumulus Podcast Network has many ways to get in touch. And I'm going to figure out one of these days, I'm going to make Lou Pellegrino, my producer, come up with some kind of Twitter handle or email because I am terrible when it comes to social media. But I want to hear back from you and see who you have in mind. I've got a great lineup ahead and I hope that you continue to come back here and take a listen to Just Getting Started. I'm Susie Schuster. Have a great day.